tuning in to the World XP Podcast. If you're enjoying the content, please remember to drop a sub, drop a like, and leave your thoughts down below in the comments. With that, we will see you guys in the podcast. Evans, it's been hey. forever. Yes. Just following your Facebook journeys and stuff. So for Cheers. those... Oh, I forgot to do that. I've got water instead. Cheers. <laughs> I do have my glass in the the glasses from the Red Dragon Brewery, which we'll get to in a, in a bit. Um, for those who don't know who I'll do, let's do like a how we know each other, and then you could do the rest of your background or whatever. We met when I was in college, and I was looking for a coaching job, soccer coaching job, and I stumbled upon this little tiny private school in Fredericksburg and the man, the myth himself, Evans at the practice. I remember being at the first practice and I was like, what is going on? The field is so nice, but the kids are just like, I made them run laps because they did something stupid and they ran in a flying V as a joke. And I was like, what am I doing? (laughs) They're, they're, they're smart. Uh, educated, and they're going to make you pay for it. <laughs> yes, 100%. I think you made a joke. It's like the only kids that will do calculus homework on the way home from an away game. It's just like, ah. Oh, and then and sing, and sing uh, 80s songs all the way home. Yes, has to be. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then you became basically a, a mentor to me for the next couple of years, and we'd, hung, we'd hang out. So I'd go down to the brewery, your brewery. Um, on the weekends, just hang out, talk, do whatever, talk about life, all sorts. Yeah. And now uh, we've gone separate paths, but we're back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I remember the first time you showed up, like what, it was one of the, the summer preseasons. Yeah. And you're like, hey, I'd like to do this. And I'm like, absolutely, go ahead. And it yeah. was like, and then you go, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is I'd like to do this. And so it was like this great thing where, uh, you know, I, I love working with you because you're an idea guy. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I want to do this. I want to try this. And I want to try this. And I'm like, absolutely. Let's yeah. do it. Well, and, it, was, it was a great, it was a great uh, give and take. And, you know, we could talk about uh, the, the journey that it actually took us on all the way through into States, which was just absolutely phenomenal. Yes. But, um, but yeah, you were just like you were, you know, you weren't sure how to take the kids at first, and then the kids weren't sure how to take you, and then oh. you know, like day two, it was, it was game one. So it was. It was. Pre- okay, real quick before we jump into this, because we're this is just how the conversations between us go. Real, real quick, give her, give some background on you, what you do, um, and where you're at now, just so that people have some context on, on what you're up to. Absolutely. So my name is Bill Evans. Um, I am a 26-year teacher. Um, I'm teaching for the last at least 24 years. I'm a fourth grade teacher at Fredericksburg Academy. Um, I coached for 25 years um, uh, soccer, but also um, I have a number of, of athletes that are in cycling. And so I coached my cycling program. Um, so now... I'm still, I'm still somehow or another coaching. Um, I'm one of the, the small owners of Red Dragon Brewery downtown Fredericksburg, and I have metastatic melanoma. And so right now I am doing battle with cancer. So that's kind of me in a nutshell. Still bike racing and having a great time, waking up every day, happy to be alive. 
Yeah, you say you were about to end on a bummer, and then you saved it. And you saved it there. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. So back to okay. So we'll jump into that first season coaching. I think for me, that was the first time I had coached kids at that age. So like you said, I had a lot of things that I wanted to try because um, I had not had a chance to coach at a in a organized fashion with a team and then implement stuff into games like I'd been coaching like clinics with like little kids and things like that but that was the first time I had been coaching a team with through a full season practice day in day out all sorts of stuff like you said the first day it's not sure what to make of the situation but I think that resolved itself fairly quickly right right Um, it's and 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 to to know this, these are eighth through twelfth graders, so you're jumping into a, a skill set that, um, at most private schools, what you would find, and that is, you don't have a huge draw of, of, of students that have extraordinary experience. You have three players who play club. You have ten players who are great athletes. You have a bunch of ten more players that are just excited and interested. And so yeah. how do you pull all that together? And and that that really is where the magic was for us. Yeah. Hundred and I and I told everyone who asked me about that experience, I always say I think I was able to bring a lot to the table, but you without you that would have gone horribly for me, I think. You were able to connect with and I've noticed this like even the season after and just like being around the school and being at Red Dragon, like the and the ping pong tournaments and also it's like the people love you. You are a man of the people. <laughs> but but they well, have they have this like um I don't know what it is. You have this like quality that draws people uh, people who might be frustrated, like frustrated with a situation and somehow you're able to pull it all together all the time. And that's something I tried to take away from you with me through life. So I don't know how you managed to do it or how, like talk through that process yeah. a bit because. So, so big, big E and maybe they don't all know that, that I call you E, but anyway, <laughs> um, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Positive mindset equips you for any, anything that comes, anything that comes, any curveball, anything that's positive. Um, you can run with it if you're excited about it. And so um, when, when things go awry, you know, there's reaction, but um, my, my tendency is to really kind of think things through. Um, I take my time and, uh, and, and it's not always intuitive, but you know, I, I, every practice, there's as many pitfalls as there are successes. And so for me, that's, my classroom, that's my cycling team, that's bike racing, that's pretty much life. So the big tackle is um, starting with this mindset that is just I've been gifted everything about what I do is just a gift, and um, I'm going to fulfill my gift some way. And so um, nurturing, I've noticed that um, not just children need nurturing, Friends need nurturing, and 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 um, that commitment to friendship, I think, is is just kind of the center of a lot of what I do. So, but thank you for noticing. <laughs> <laughs> I think it also shows through because you had a lot of those kids when you um, in fourth grade as well. 
so you maintain the relationship so i think that yeah. also made a big difference because if you were not a great teacher and then you were their coach then i think uh that would have yeah. been less less fun yeah. <laughs> all the way I mean, around you know it's what, what's so great is um you know at, at the academy we um my fourth graders at recess every day and I, I play with them still at 62 i mean i'm still i still have some i mean i got moves still so um Anyway, so I could see what the kids are really um, excited about and what they're passionate about, and then you know we play that. Um, they're all very excited to try to be a part of a team, and so I think that's another thing that I really believe in is is team and the value of, of commitment to a to a, a, a greater team concept. And, and I think that you know it just those kids already know what they're getting. When they when they saw me on the soccer field, they already knew that there was going to be tradition and that there was going to be lots and lots of team building. And, and most of that didn't have anything, as you know, didn't have anything to do with being on the pitch. You know, whether it was camp out or taking the kids on hikes um, or or singing um, for the longest time uh, on the way home on the bus. I mean, I think I still have a video of that somewhere. <laughs> I do. If you don't, I'm so sure anyway. you have tons probably. Yeah, too many, too many. But anyway, that 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 understanding, you have to understand everybody who you deal with from the most intimate level out. So that's important. Yeah, there's one other thing I want to touch on before we get back to the soccer, and that's the the place in the community that you used to see in like TV shows that were in based in like the eighties or whatever, there was a very, like a sense of community around the schools. Like everyone, it's like, Oh, oh every, Oh, you have Mr. So-and-so and he's also the football coach. And you've also yeah. like, everyone kind of knows each other. And, and there's like this sense of um, togetherness almost. And I feel like yeah. we've lost, we've lost that a little bit. Yeah. Can you touch on Fredericksburg more broadly? Cause I think it still exists yeah. in Fredericksburg, but also the FA community as a whole kind of what, you, how you guys have been able to maintain that because you guys welcomed me in as one of one of them and I yeah. was only there for two years and then like, I, I didn't really join and, in that way and but you're I was always, welcomed. and you're always one of them yes. you're always one of them and that, that's what's I, I think it's it's a very unique situation um, you know I grew up in Fredericksburg and went around the whole world and then ended up coming back here when my wife got a job back in this area and um it is a it is a small community, but it, it now is kind of a huge community, um, and so you have pockets of that small community. For instance, like my kids, it drives my kids crazy. I'm driving down the street. I'm still waving to people out of the car. Like um, they don't wave back, but I don't I don't think twice. I mean, those are my neighbors or whatever, but. Um, but anyway, there's still pockets of that. And I think that one of the beauties that Fredericksburg Academy is able to kind of really instill in both the, the parents, the, the, the whole community, the students, the, the faculty and staff, um, we're, we're, we're still small and we really know each other well. And if you know each other well, you can head things off that might be problematic or you can embrace all of the struggle. And, and it's a special thing. And we've created kind of, at least for the varsity soccer program at the time, a, almost a, a club, um, not a clique, but a, but a club that um, 
you have to know the password, you know, and, and once you know the password, um, you're, you're, you're super in. And so we had, as you remember, that we had students who came for the first time, um, Big Brandon and CJ, they came to the soccer field. They hadn't, they hadn't been a part of that club before. And mm -hmm. all you need to do in order to get the password is be there. And it's immediately, you know, that's, that's, it's just such a welcoming community. And so there's, there's your way in. Um, the kids immediately were asking questions about you, like as soon as practice was over the first day. Um, they're trying to dig for something that they can connect to. And so I think that um, because these kids are able to talk to adults, it, they're encouraged to present themselves well. Um, that's why after every practice, those lads came over to you and to me and thanked us for being there and shook our hands. Right. Yeah, I noticed that immediately. That that is a massive thing. That is part of that um, small community of people who just want to show the highest level of respect to each other. And and that's just yeah. I think you're right. I think maybe it's not um, it's not unique to just Fredericksburg Academy, but I think it's a, it's a it's a rarity that you find that very often these days. Is that built in that teaching the kids to present themselves in that way? Is that built into the FA curriculum? Yeah. Hidden curriculum right there. I mean, in, in fourth grade, I mean, we talk about it. Do you shake firm um, and fair, or do you give the cold dead fish handshake? You know, one shows a lack of interest, one shows I'm interested. I mean, it, that's that's a big thing for me and my fourth, for me, for the fourth graders who come through my door too. So yeah, I think that that every day, every week, in every course, they the kids have to present themselves. And so they have to learn how to present themselves. And so, yeah, I think that that is a very, um, is part of that hidden curriculum that isn't just like, you know, AP or, you know, advanced math yeah. or just that or the other. Yeah. I think that's important. I don't think, I've not been in public school for a while, but my, like, little brothers and, like, people I know or, like, things I see and hear, I feel like I don't know. Like, I feel like that's lost now. I don't really. I don't know because I haven't been in it. But yeah. just this, this, just, just like the sense I get from, like when I coach, I'm still training, doing individual trainings, and like a lot of the kids that I have are really great. And then I'll help out a club sometimes, and there will be like kids that, like, like what do you think? Just like the the basic of. Uh, respect i guess isn't there yeah. and i don't i don't really yeah. i don't i can't really tell like exactly well, how to let me let me jump let me jump in so yeah so i have there's there's definitely a a something inside of our society right that has um kids don't necessarily have to earn their ways in they're paid they're pushed um and so, therefore, um, there's this um, I deserve this kind of mentality, and it's not the kids' fault because that's what they that's what they know, right? So, um, so at the end of a of a practice, you know, they did you the favor, you know, that that's a new phenomenon, and we would not be playing that a couple of years ago, would we? I mean, so so. Um, 
you know, the kids recognized at that point, they really recognized what we were there for and that we were there for them and therefore they are respecting what we do. Um, and maybe we're just not seeing that as often as often as we could or should or would like. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfortunate. All right, off the sad stuff. So back into the <laughs> season. <laughs> yeah. I I have plenty where I just plenty of podcasts where just the entire time is that and it's like I don't want to be preachy but um but so moving into that season it felt I had no idea because I hadn't been there before but looking back it feels like I had walked into basically a perfect situation in terms of who was there um who was becoming seniors you guys had enough returning starters um CJ coming into the into the team for the first time, and like basically just a perfect storm to end up where we did. Yeah. So, can you touch on kind of the building process of yeah of that, especially when the player pool isn't big? Right, absolutely. And so we had, um, like I said, we created a club environment that was more than just soccer. Um, we were, you know, we were, we were playing indoor together in the gym off season just for fun. We were straight training or we were hiking or, like I said, I mean, we did camp out, camp outs. It, it was, it was this whole concept of project team, train, equip, and motivate. And we, um, across society, we saw this, like, boys were just totally disinterested in all things academic and uh, at school, we would see that trickle out onto the onto the, the, the game fields. And you know, with our athletic director's help, um, you know, he kind of said, "However you would like to do this, do it." And so we started to create this this kind of this year-round soccer mindset. Now, our all of our best players, they were also the best swimmers, the best basketball players. They were also the, the, the lacrosse players. And so they understood team, but then when it came time for the soccer season, then there were other things that we did. Um, uh, you know, we had our, our cheers that were just like, anyway, you know, it was very specific. Having the T-shirts that were very specific to just us, um, we wanted to be called, at one point we were called men's soccer because we didn't want to be boys' soccer. Like, I mean, you know, they were the, 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 the girls' teams, they were always winning, and the boys' teams just were not. And so a lot of things started to come together. Um, maybe two or three years before, um, you know, again, I worked with young assistant coaches like yourself who always brought a value added, always, always. And then, so by the time you came, um, you then were able to take um, more skilled players and start to chess piece them together, as opposed to the years before where we were saying, here's the chessboard. <laughs> here's how these players can move. And so, like Big E, you, uh, you like to play that swinging, um, attacking midfield, midfielder out on the wings. I mean, you know, so, so that was, you were taking what we had 
and you were able to say, okay, this guy's fast and this guy learns really well, so we needed to play him here. And so we were able to kind of put the, the players into the absolute right moment, into the right positions, and made it so obvious when we had it wrong. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it really was. It was. And, and so, so that, was, that was great. And so you were able to kind of like take something, you were able to polish what needed to be polished. Um, and so, you know, they were all already motivated. Yes. Interested in, in athletics. And then we started to win. And I don't know if you knew this, Eric, but, you know, we were the smallest, smallest D1 school um, in this in the state, as far as numbers, like we were a D three team playing in a D one league, and so we had all but four boys in the upper school on the soccer program. Yeah, the first year that you were there, every single every single lad in the entire upper school, I think there were four that weren't. It yeah. was it was it was great. It was great. Everybody wanted to be a part of it, and so you know, winning begets winning. And so, you know, you can take it from there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I noticed that the, especially when we got into that first state game against Norfolk, like the entire school was at the game, I think pretty much. Um, yeah, no boy, no, no boy sport at our school had kind of been, I mean, you know, small fish in a huge pond. And so, you know, when we're starting, you know, five eighth graders, you know, there, there it is, right? It doesn't really work. So the whole school, so that game, game against Norfolk Academy, was that what it was called, Norfolk Academy? I think, or yeah, some, or Norfolk Collegiate or something like that. Yeah, that's it, that's it. Um, we literally had every soccer player from the past, from the previous, like, 10, 12 years. Ever was in a team. I mean, they, they were there. And so the entire school was there. It was, it was, it was pretty exciting. I think we won that game pretty. Was it like was it four or five? I think it was something like that. But when we had got to that point, like the game against Highland in the conference championship, like when we had got to that point, and um, Carlos was helping as well, and it felt like we had polished off the rest of like by that point in the season, like it. We had figured out the best lineup. We yep. had figured out the substitution rotations. We had figured out, like, if this if the game turns out this way, we'll move this guy here and we'll do this and we'll finish it. And then, like, the players just took care of the rest. And we told them yeah. often, like, our job is to get you up to the attacking third and then you guys can do what you want. I remember one game, I think it was super muddy field, very difficult game. I think Austin scored like a chip from like 25 yards out. Yeah. The keeper was coming RMA. Out. Yeah. Yeah. RMA. yeah. Just like, just like things like that, that we can't coach, mm -hmm. but we can give them. I tell my players this now. It's like, I give you the tools, you choose which ones to use. Yeah. And that, and like that, by that point in the season, just like watching, it was so rewarding every game to like, see what we had worked on in practice, come to fruition, see the players take on, like the different things that we talked about and the different concepts that we'd worked on, the spacing, the who makes this run where we, like we're actually able to turn it into, yeah, that Highland game was, was something, but like you just knew 
yeah. at kickoff. At kickoff, you just knew. You just had this feeling. The I don't energy know. was so yeah. so right. I mean, the nerves were, were definitely there. Of course, um, we've never been in that situation before. And I think the two years before Highland beat us ten nothing. So, but but to to one of the things that um, I believe, as far as coaching philosophy is, you need to empower the the leaders to lead, and and, and it has to be. It has to be, they have to learn how to lead. And so, you know, the expectations we made very clearly, um, balls, cones, poles, goals, everything, those things must be out there by the time we start training. They must be, they must be policed up, and, and we don't have to say a thing. Water, bottles, everything then is, is run by varying tiers of, of, of leaders, right? So whatever these leaders are doing, maybe they're seniors or juniors or seniors or skilled, most skilled players that are respected. And then everybody is watching that happen. And then it just the next year, the assumption is now they're taking over all those leadership roles. So we had already ingrained in that group what it was to lead. So then, like you said, when we gave them carte blanche for this is what you need to do in order to be creative in that offensive third, they knew what they were going to do. They just they already knew each other, right? And so uh, it was so exciting. Um, I, I remember when the first time so when we beat Highland, uh, it was it was three to three, and I think CJ scores like a uh, header off the corner kick and yeah. ended up winning. It was just unbelievable. Yeah. Unbelievable. Best dream. Season, the energy in that season was bomb. Like, I'm getting goosebumps now, like thinking yeah. back to the, some of the games. So the Highland game that we're talking about, conference championship at their place, like yeah. you said, two years before, scores 10-0 in favor of, High, in favor of Highland. Yeah. We go in there and absolutely dominated the game. I don't remember, I don't remember who scored, but we scored early, and at that point it was just like this is a wrap. Like there was something about just like the way we warmed up, like. It was almost like a fearlessness. It was like they didn't know, like they were nervous. Yeah. But like they didn't know that they were supposed to be nervous because they'd never been there before. They'd never and been it, there. They didn't know what was at stake. No, no, I, <laughs> I mean, no clue. No clue what was at stake. And and when when you play to a level that even the other team doesn't understand why you're you're playing at that level, they started to implode, and they ended up having two of their starters. Uh, do you remember that? walked right off the field yeah because they were so frustrated and the coach just said just leave you know yeah and so um anyway it was uh that was extraordinary and then um after i think the here's what was the rankings for the state tournament came out right before that game yeah yeah we were put fifth um instead of or fourth or fifth instead of whatever second or third which means that we played in we pl- had to play number one first round and then if we won that we would have had to play number two like so we had a much harder bracket and so um and so basically you know it's it's a, a lot of political decisions in that process i don't envy any of the people making those choices but um do you remember their athletic their athletic director said that we got duped yeah. in front of everybody? And so yeah, that anyway. was a bit that was a bit nice to hear, but it was still yeah, yeah, like, yeah. it was still like all right, thanks, but also 
well, doesn't matter at this especially point. Especially because that team that we just defeated there turns around within the next week and a half and won the state championship. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, did they beat really... did they beat that team that we lost to? For a while. Yeah, they beat yeah. them. Because that team that yeah. team was the best team that I had seen all all season long. Like when I when they beat us the way they did, I was like, yeah, they yeah they got it for sure. I do have one. I have one regret about that game, and that was because the only regret it's not even a regret really, because I believe that I picked the right thing to do at the time. We were we were playing so well with the ball that I was like, we can go toe to toe with them, and that was that didn't turn turn out well. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had, and then there were a couple things like quite literally when we were warming up junior. Yeah. Tweaked his ankle. Junior turned his ankle. And so now you have your, um, I think he was a defensive center mid. Yeah. Defensive midfielder. Yeah. Um, you know, there, there, there you go. Your entire game plan has changed. So now we put in little Alex, who is an eighth mm-hmm. grader who, Maybe maybe was in fifty percent of fifty percent or less of the actual the, the contact games, and against a team that was absolutely faster, stronger, and this was their field, and this yeah. was 20, 20 yards wider than anything we've played on the entire year. Yeah, and they just they spread us out and poked holes. Yeah, honestly, I didn't even. I guess suck that we lost. Obviously. But that season was still like resounding success. I think like I I came away from that season like very happy with where with where the team ended up, the growth of all the players, the growth of myself as a like it was a great situation because you like you like you mentioned earlier a lot of give and take like that's not a lot of places that would have let a college kid come in and like implement ideas and do all the things that you allowed me to do. So that was a perfect situation for me personally at the time as well, and I. The growth okay. from everyone was amazing. It was it was quite quite the year. Um, and then uh, did, did the kids sing? Did the kids sing at the awards assembly at the end too? Probably, probably, <laughs> probably. I don't know. They were always singing. Really, I don't. Oh gosh! And it was never like anything modern. It was like everything's like if it's not seventies or eighties, we're not singing it. Yeah. Oh my goodness! But oh, so, I mean, you know, we had. We had 26 players on that team. Mm-hmm. And so how we broke down practices just so that, you know, um, we, we homogeneously grouped, we heterogeneously grouped, we, we, and, and in all that, we kept the identity of team. And, and yeah. so nobody felt like, you know, well, I'm not going to start, so I'm not really going to be committed here. Or I'm going to drop off because, I mean, they came on. I remember we had a, a guy who came. Do you remember Big Brandon? He's like yep. six ten. I mean, just <laughs> just this tall guy. Never no soccer before. Like his soccer his shoes were like eighteens or something. Yeah, something, something bonkers. But anyway, um, he didn't care. He didn't care that he was not going to be in there playing every single minute or even any minutes. He just wanted to be a part of the team. Yeah. And that, Eric, I mean, for us, that is, that is for us as coaches, um, the wins and losses are, are interesting and fun, um, but really that sense of 
common uh, common uh, purpose. Good stuff right there. Just one of those seasons. Just one of those seasons. And then twelve of them graduated that year, <laughs> including yeah. eight, eight, eight seniors. Uh, yeah, we want to. Yeah, we. We won't talk about the next season. <laughs> no, it was good. I mean, it, it was, was, it, was because, you know, it was, we were still, now everybody expected something of us. Everybody expected something of us. And so we had to still play all those teams that we destroyed the year before mm-hmm. with four of the returning starters. Yeah. And, and, and it was not the wins, but the fact that we would like score goals here and there. And that would give us points in yeah. the state tournament. We were like, we'll take it. Anyway, the it funniest was... thing about that second season, I remember one practice. I forgot who it was. But I had stopped. I was doing like a game scenario, and I'd stopped it because I was like, okay, if you if this ball moves here, you move there, and then you make this pass. I was like, all right, ball in. I was like, take a touch and pass it to this person. It's like ball in immediately. Does not take a touch. Just kicks the ball as hard as he can, and it hits somebody else in the stomach. And I was so mad, but I was laughing at the same time. I don't. Do you remember that? I, I can't confirm or deny that I would be <laughs> laughing at somebody's follies. Oh, but yeah, no, I totally get it. Yeah, yeah. it was <laughs> okay. That was that was a whole thing where um, panic playing. We had to we had to coach the panic out of the players. Yeah. <laughs> so. Because they were definitely in over their head for sure. Oh my gosh! I, I um, and, and that next year was my last year. Mm-hmm. It was, it was. So, to, um, and to be with you on like the last two years of your, that was really cool to to be a part of that. So, yeah, that was that was extraordinary. They gave the first I, when I first started coaching. I was uh, I was twenty two, and as the varsity which was basically made up of, I think, fourth through eighth or tenth grade or something like that. Oh, it's crazy. So to go all the way through that together with you at the end, Naughty. it was kind of the cherry on the top. The first time we talked, you were painting walls in your brewery. And I think, yeah. did you did it open that, for, that first season? Or yeah. In yeah. the fall, right? August. Yeah, so, it was August. So what goes into... I guess the whole what give us the background. Why did you want to do it? Yeah. What goes what goes into it? Uh, inspiration, <laughs> like, and then because I, we were in season, you had you were doing things all of the time. Oh my gosh, it was it was insane. So uh, as a teacher, like um, Red Dragon Brewery kind of started in my in my brother's garage um, several years prior to maybe six years prior to. And we were just making things and perfecting batches and, and giving it away and for weddings and things like that. People were giving us feedback so that we knew we needed to go and, and, and open up a place. And like our, you know, Celtic heritage, we wanted to open up a pub like you would find, you know, in any little town in, in, in Yorkshire or in Wales or, or Ireland. And so we wanted that, and so we were fortunate enough to find a place in a residential area, which, you know, took some doing. But um, so I was building. I was in the building process, like, the entire summer. So, uh, you know, I'd come and do the, the, the coaching, and then I'd go back to the brewery and then work until dark 
and then, I mean, just to get that thing open. And I remember we had our first game, and that was opening night at the brewery in the massive thunderstorms. We lost power at, at the brewery. And so our, our um, what do you call it, the um, cash registers were on batteries. And so they worked. And so people were just swiping, swiping. We had a line around the block, people trying to get in. And it was just the inside was flooding. Water was rushing through all the windows everywhere. Uh, the, the roof, we, we didn't know if the roof was going to be, like, okay or not. But anyway, people were just happy, milling about, no air conditioning, uh, drinking beers in the pitch dark. You know, we, we had these little battery candles that we put everywhere. And, and uh, anyway, that was opening night. And it was, like, after the first soccer game of the season. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy. So, anyway. That's nuts. I forgot it did that. I forgot that happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so so what, it was like, yeah, go ahead. What goes into, like, opening and then running a place like that, like, in, in the, like, getting it off the ground? Because now it's like it's been thriving. You guys are, I think, what, number six on, like, the top 50 breweries in Virginia or something like that? What, yeah, what was that list yeah. you put out today? Yeah, yeah. It was, I mean, just awesome breweries, and it's just really humbling to be a part of that, given the fact that COVID has been so, so hard for breweries, especially in Fredericksburg. I mean, mm-hmm. just really, really hard. You know, we, we saw our good friends at Spencer Devin, you know, pack it up. And, um, but anyway, you know, it's, it's um, for us, once we had our design and we uh, built the brewery out, we, we had to realize what's and evaluate what expectations are. So we had a plan. So we had this massively written out plan that, um, my brother and my best friend, Dan, um, they're the, the big two leads in the ownership of the brewery. And um, so we had, like, a foolproof plan. We thought um, we hired a brewer who's a, um, bio, like, awesome biochemist from, from down in South Carolina. And um, then we just had to put the right staff in um, and – you know, here we are, I think, six years in, and we've got the right staff in. I mean, it's just, it's like a family. And, um, uh, you know, it's it's been, you know, try, test, and revise. Try, test, and revise. And, you know, it's it's just been a huge process. You know, we've, we've been um, a highly ranked brewery forever, and that's just amazing to us. Um, you don't distribute. So... Kind of, I was talking to one of the other owners, Dan, um, today. It's like if you look at that list of the top 20 breweries in Virginia, we're by far the smallest brewery there. So how do you get your name out? How do you get your product out while you distribute? So, you know, 25 places around the state have your cans of beer or your kegs of beer or something like that. We don't have any of that. We don't have any of that, nothing. We have word of mouth and just an amazing staff and taproom experience. And so, um, you know, how are we competing with 15 to, to 50 barrel breweries when we're only four barrel breweries? And so you're not getting, you know. Because your getting, beer is freaking good. <laughs> I mean, I kind of like it. Um, <laughs> but, um, but again, you know, it, 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 it's, it's pretty interesting, our beer to get traded like all over the when there was a beer trade 
you know, so people are, are untapping beers um, and putting on this, the social media apps, like all around the state, all around the, the eastern seaboard. But you know, since since COVID, it's just been like it's it's just a different kind of of brewery, and so we are now. I think people are coming into the tap room and kicking their feet up. Um, they were afraid of doing that, right? So they would rush in, grab a prowler, and then rush out. And part of um, this whole dream that, that my brother and, and Dan and I had was that this was going to be a pub like anywhere in the UK, right? So bring your food in, whatever. Yeah, come on and have some beers and sit at the bar and just chat with us, right? Um, that was the dream. And so when people are just grabbing beers and going, it's, it makes it really tough. Really yeah. tough. But, yeah. Before COVID, when I was in there, that was definitely, I think still to this day, hands down, the best experience in a, like, tap room or pub or, like, because the, a, a lot of places are, like, oh, no, thanks, food, no food, no food, no food yeah. allowed or, like, but it's so relaxed. Like, you guys genuinely don't care because you know that people are going to, like, oh, can I bring some, sneak some snacks in or, like, whatever the kid, but you just no. want people there to Great. hang out. And it's, it's so relaxed and it's so, like, I remember before Jenna's volleyball games on the weekends, I would just come to the brewery and hang out for, like, two hours and just chat. I love it. Yeah. I love it. And, and, you know, it's not, I'm not the only chatty Kathy in the, in the, in the bunch too. For it's sure. Like, for sure. Definitely not. <laughs> yeah. I was able to make friends with some of the bartenders who were there or just like, it was just a really fun time. Like, yeah, it was just, it's, it's all, yeah. it's almost indescribable. Like you have to go and actually experience what it's like. I think the best thing to compare it to almost is like, a coffee shop but with beer it's yeah, kind right. of like it's like a mix it's like it's got a coffee shop vibe where you can just chill and like do whatever but instead of coffee it's beer yeah. and for yeah. me that's perfect because i don't really drink coffee so i was like yeah i'll go drink beer instead it's better. there you go there you go <laughs> exactly exactly and, and you know the thing is it's like we've we've learned so much it's like um there's so many beer trends and so you try to have something that you know is trendy. So like fruit sours and, and, you know, your, your hazy IPAs, um, now pilsners and lagers. I mean, um, your big biscuity, uh, you know, your big biscuity stouts, but, you know, we've always tried to keep absolutely keep something either on the, the hand engine. Um, that's, you know, something you'd find in the UK. And so we have this guy who's He's called, uh, we call him UK Dave, and uh, he's this guy from, he, he, by the way, he played club at Millwall. Oh, really? Yeah, oh, yeah. Solid, solid dude. And so, uh, sorry about the dog. Oh, good. Sorry about the dog. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, it was so interesting. He comes in there every day, just sits, has one pint, and the idea is he's like, this is, this is, this is London. This is London. And so this is where I'm going to get my beer. This is where I'm going to get my beer. And he pulls in every time, one beer. Yeah. It's so great. It is. It's a totally different vibe from just like everywhere else. For those listening, you have to go. It will be worth it. I we would love to let you try it out. <laughs> yeah. You have to go. Yeah. You know when, you, when you put the ping pong table in the corner, you go play ping, play ping pong and like 
have our beers just on the wall and then go play ping pong and you know, we have like, yep. all the paddles and stuff. Now yeah. it's like the carnival tournaments are crazy on like Fridays and the trivia is going really well and the yeah. darts. Yeah. yeah, I don't know about the darts. I still I'm not sure about the darts, but that wall has <laughs> that I put up that uh, is destroyed. But anyway, it's all good. <laughs> oh, oh, we've got foosball. Oh, that's new. We've got we've got soccer. That's, we've got soccer. There you go. It's complete then. Yeah. Nothing else. Nothing else is needed. That's can right. you touch? Can you touch a bit on kind of what? The, like, people know that COVID was hard on a lot of businesses, but like, yeah. what did you guys do to sort of make it through? What creative things did you guys come up with? What, yeah. um, how did you guys, how were you guys able <laughs> yeah. to ride the wave? Because I think people are kind of d- yeah. done with done with it to a certain extent, but you guys are still here, so yeah, yeah. did something so, right. Something like I mean, I can't even begin to like. Here's here's what happened. And, and I'll be, here's the honest, here's the honest thing. So I was di- diagnosed with, with cancer. And so I was in the biggest fight. And so I was stepping back and I was very in the front with social media and, and giving tours in the brewery and, and so forth. And so I had to step back. COVID then kicked off and um, we didn't know we didn't, we didn't know what we were going to do. So we basically sent out um, a uh, farewell letter and thank you for your, your you know, coming in every every Saturday um, from 2 to 4, you know. But, um, you know, it was it was one of those things where we thought that we were going to go. And we were pretty sure, but we had all this beer still. And so we um, set up a drive-by pickup and try to get rid of, in Crowler, everything that we had left in those tanks. And then we said, you know, people, if you want to come, just like, you know, come. We were giving away uh, St. Patty's Day glasses, you know, because that was like right at March, right? And um, and you came. The community came. And, and basically it was Tom and Dan and Cody and, um, and then Olivia. All, they did the whole thing. They did all of COVID. And people would come in, they'd get 10 crowns. And all of a sudden, like, we had a little bit of money, and we are like, we have enough, we can buy, like, some ingredients and, until it all runs out. And then people just kept coming and I buying think I, beer. I think I drove down and got some as well at, yes. at some point. Thank you. I mean, it was, like, it was unbelievable. So um, so Tom and Dan were driving it, like, triple time. And, um, you know, latex gloves on and face i mean just like we didn't know what it really was but so for about six months we just were prowling as much as we could and um and we brought back um our associate brewer and i mean it's just so then the lights we were just making enough to keep the lights on really that was it paying cody you know so anyway then it was just kind of like <laughs> trying to just be creative like that um for a year and a half, hoping that at some point we, we were going to be allowed to open the doors again. And when we did, again, like, like I said, the only reason why we're on those lists of, of great breweries is because of the people who come in. That's the bottom line. We have, like, the best clientele in the, in the, on the face of the earth. I mean, it's the best. And so they came in and kept coming in. Um, we, we only had, like, room for like maybe seven tables in the whole place because it's like social distancing yeah. 
and there was a line out the door waiting for those seven people. Just, it just blew us away. Um, I'm, I'm watching all this from afar, like from a walker. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, so that's really how it happened. And now it's just you, you would be just absolutely shocked. We had a, uh, the first Friday event the other night, and it was just packed from 4 o'clock until, I don't know, I, I'm, my bedtime. <laughs> until my bedtime. It was packed. And so things are really starting to come around again. And, uh, and we're all excited about it. And we just hope that people come back and give it a shot. Well, I think they will. I think your point to having the best clientele also is the environment that is in when you go into the tap room. Like, it just feels like the environment is just from the people who even like the people who are just there, not even working there, but the client, like the other people, everything about it is just think to me, I wasn't surprised that you guys stayed open. What's up? But don't you remember, isn't this, how how the Red Dragon team is, isn't it just like a soccer team? Yeah. Isn't it just like a classroom team? Isn't it just like you know your best friend team, your bike team? It's it's that's it. You create a sense of team, and that's I don't know. You do everywhere you go. You end up with you specifically. Oh, everywhere okay. you go, you end up with that somehow. <laughs> um, so you get so. The cancer diagnosis comes in before COVID. Yeah, right at the beginning of COVID. Right. So. Yeah. That was, walk, that was the, the email. How'd you get it? Email or like. No, 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 no. Yeah. So. Um, like the you you find out the results and you're yeah. first like what are you where are you at? It was like it was like this hello, and then it was like the doctor saying, "I'm just really really surprised, Bill, but we had." You know, all the pathologists who happen to be, like, three of the parents of students that I've taught, right? I mean, so it, so you know that they're like, I'm not going to tell them. You tell them. I'm not going to tell them. You tell them. Yeah. So anyway, so this doctor calls me up and he says, uh, you know, here's the thing. I have metastatic melanoma. And I went, oh, okay. So I've got, like, dots on my skin. Like, And then, like, well, here's what you're going to need to do. And so immediately, like. Um, I, I had already transferred over to an oncologist here locally, and then the, the oncologist goes like, basically, you know, there's nothing more I can do for you here. You got to go to a, you got to go to a cancer center. And every cancer center was shutting down because of COVID. They're not going to put new clientele who might be bringing this brand new COVID into a waiting room full of cancer patients. So I could not get in anywhere. Um, and UVA came up and, I mean, really it was kind of a strange way of how I was calling to get an appointment. And I kept calling and it was like using the back door, kind of like I felt like really, really dirty and, and so forth. But eventually um, they said that they would see me and then they would talk about, like the tumor board would talk about whether or not I could be a patient there. And so right before, and that was May 4th which is Star Wars Day, which is near and dear to my heart. And that morning, uh, 58 cars drive-by parade for me. All decorated cars, DJ, like Hamilton. I mean, all the former players, current players, students, parents, just I was blown away. 
And I just sat there and, and cried as these people were waving to me and honking horns. The cops were called into the like disturbance in the neighborhood and, and so forth. They staged, here's this, they staged Dixon Port, like the parking lots there, and filled it. And so they had to start leaving. Like that's, it was it was just mind blowing. Um, and then they took me at I went to UVA and they and they took me. And so they said, you know, first things first, we gotta go back into that neck. And uh, not to be graphic, but it's doing what's called a radical neck dissection, which is about as bad as it sounds. <laughs> and so, you know, I, um, I, I at that point, I still was like um, running and, and cycling and so forth. But um, after that was done, my vertigo was so bad for like six weeks, I was on a walker. And so I would GPS my walks and I would spell out words like beer and... <laughs> I, I remember seeing those on on Facebook pop up, and I was like, "You just got diagnosed with cancer, but you're spelling out beer on a GPS." It's like, yep. is the, the mindset is just is so yeah. it's like actually it's like, crazy. Well, well, you know, so in a I good this, way. Yeah, I had this walker with a with a rubber horn. <laughs> like I'm walking around to, hey, you know, it's like Captain Good Times. Um, you, know, you gotta make the best of everything you do, right? And so I was waking up every single day. And so since then, like, I immediately started um, 13 months of immunotherapy, which was, was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. Um, you know, um, I would go to UVA and get scans, like CT and PET scans, um, MRIs, body scan blood work, all this stuff, and then I would go up to infusions, and then I would get, like, an infusion, and I'd walk into that place, and I'd be talking to everybody who was in really, really bad shape, right, and I'd just be like, Captain Good Times, here we are, and um, and so I thought maybe that was my calling, like, maybe this is why, because I'm going to win, and I'm going to be an outlier's outlier, and um, I never, I told him, never told me statistics, um, you know, anyway, so as soon as I would get my infusion, I'd be sick for like days and days and exhausted for weeks. And then I'd jump back on my bike and I got to a point where I did some bike races again last year. And when I finished that, you know, I went full time into the bike racing. But, um, you know, they had to go in and cut out things. That's what they do. And just for me, from here forward, um, uh, they just cut out what, what, what doesn't belong. So I just a clean bill of health. I still have cancer, but no tumors anywhere in my body right now. So that was so that's news. a big win. Yeah, it's a massive thing. Massive. Just to know that my body is fighting. Um, Immunotherapy, healthy diet, positive mindset, exercise, racing, doing things that I love to do. I mean, good beer. <laughs> yeah, you're still living. You're still living as if almost like you don't have it, which is which yeah. is insane. I know yeah. if anyone, if people want the example of what to do in the face of something like that, it is like you are doing it like full send the entire thing. It's it's great to like to follow it on on the socials and on Facebook and everything, and then just to know that. You're still you is really. Yeah. Don't I don't I'm, know I'm, I don't know the words to describe it because 
like I said, I wasn't in the FA community for for very long, but you can tell immediately, like as an outsider, or not as as somebody who hasn't been in, like to come in and like see the relationship that you have with everybody. It's like he's still there, he's still him. Mm-hmm. This is good news for everyone. Like you just have that effect on people, and I've said that like four times, but like I still well, I still mean it. <laughs> thank you, thank you. Yeah, I, I'm. You know what I am? I'm better. I'm better. Because um, I value everything that I do. I just do. I mean, I wish other people would like, just like, if I could say one thing, it's like totally cheesy. It's like, maybe you don't have what I have, but you could still love every aspect of what it is that you have and what mm-hmm. it is that you do. And if you're not doing the things that you love, maybe some things that you, you can do that you will love. And, and I don't know. I'm not going to be preachy or anything like that, but I'm telling you, it's it's, it's not fake. It's just like 100. Yeah. percent Like I'm I'm all in with life. Where I mean, my my spiritual self is 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 alive and well, and just yeah, yeah. It so, feels like <laughs> I was going to ask you at some point, what is the biggest thing that you've learned over your teaching career, um, as for for life like to tie into advice to young people trying to make their way in the world, given the right. Nobody, people my age and a bit younger, like financial crash, war, COVID, like. Well, I mean, you know, the, the, the big, the big thing is that I have witnessed dozens of open minds walk into my area around me and want to learn and want to teach and so if i could say this to anybody it is that number one never stop teaching but never stop learning and so that's that's the biggest thing is like when you're learning as much from eric as as you are from from you know taking your cd license for coaching but i learn more about living from eric there um, that's something that I need to be open to. If a fourth fourth grader is going to teach me about pain, what real pain is, a fourth grader is going to teach me about what real joy is. Um, they're going to talk. They're going to they're going to teach me about unconditional love. I mean, and so just if you're if you're a learner, then you're constantly looking for chances to be better. So that's my big. Yeah. I agree. I hear that often from people who have been successful at creating and building relationships and just generally in life. They think one of the, another way to put it is like, treat everyone as if they know something that you don't as well. I feel like we're like at a place where it would be good to end, but I don't really want to end. So I'll ask you what's, what's next for you? What, what is next with the cancer? How's the cancer going? The brewery? The cycling, all sorts. And we haven't talked too much about the cycling, so feel free to yeah. expand on that if you want. But what's next? Sure. What's next for you? Well, you know, um, for, for me, it's it's. I did on on Tuesday. I think I did my last race. I think it was either eighteen or nineteen races since May. So um, now I'm towing the line most of the time with these eighteen, nineteen, twenty-year-old young guns. And so at 52, I mean, my body is like, you know, I'm losing 3% um, 
you know, every every year, but to stay competitive in that that field of you know 50, 60 riders or whatever, um, it's it's been really really great to still be relevant in the racing. So that's been big. But I set myself this goal, and and, and tell me if this isn't just totally nutty, but in the United States, with my cancer, more than seven thousand two hundred people will not make it through the year. That's how many people that melanoma kills, 7,200 plus a year, and that's just in the States. So at the beginning of the year, I decided I was going to ride one mile on the bike for every single one this year. And so my goal was to ride 7,200 miles, and uh, today I did 5,501. So I'm getting there, and so that's really big on my agenda. Um, I'm going to do a challenge uh, for September um, for childhood cancer. Um, I'm going to continue to try to um, be a good spokesperson for melanoma research. Um, I'm going to start my classroom. Oh, I'm so excited about my class this year. I'm, I'm so excited. Um, yeah, everything is good. Well feels like we've reached a natural ending place. I appreciate your time. I appreciate your guidance and mentorship to me uh, in those years of my life. I needed it for sure. I just love texting with you still. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's like those players are still texting me. There's no drinking. But anyway, it's just like, anyway, I, I value whenever I hear from you and I'm like, I got a big E text, you know. It's... <laughs> I love it. So I'm glad that I was a part of being here today. Yeah, it was great. All right, guys. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.